Welcome to another special flashback episode, Tuesday Review listeners. I'm James. I'm Nathan. And I'm Callum. And we just thought we'd quickly introduce the next in our line of um, old episodes that we're re-uploading. This is the second Star Wars special that uh, we did back in December 2017. So this is a year after the first special came out, um, just before The Last Jedi was coming out. And boy, were we excited. Oh, well, yeah, we had we had some hopes. Um, I had a cold at the time, so excuse my, excuse my blocked sinus. Yeah, blocked sinuses. Also, this was, we only had the hour on live radio, so I'm just like rapid fire talking yeah. really, really fast and just Nathan and Callum get steamrolled. Like, they can't, <laughs> can't, get, a, can't get a word in. Um, and, uh, but the pressure was there. The pressure was there. Yeah, it was we just like I had to get all this because I like, because in the first Star Wars special, barely, you know, barely scratched the surface as to why. Back Force in the days Awakens. when you used to bring in like a pad yeah, of just, notes. I had pages and pages of notes and I was like, I need to get <laughs> all of, before Last Jedi comes out, I need to talk about why The Force Awakens is truly that terrible. And yeah, just. Little, I, we say this a lot off the air as well. Little did we know how chill we would end up being. Because it used to be like, we have the hour, oh, how yeah. are we going to fill the hour? Well, now, the, only, yeah. the only episodes we can really feel are the Star Wars episodes. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's like now, like just what we're doing now, we're just chilling in the studio talking about and usually it, we so can run up to three hours on a yeah. normal, on the normal yeah, week. Yeah, it's so, so different now. Um, but yeah, like so in this second Star Wars special, we talk more about Force Awakens, uh, which again is important for the context for our Rise of Skywalker review coming up soon um, and JJ returning for that. Um, I go on a rant about Boba Fett for like 20 minutes. I remember that, but, yeah, yeah. And but you do that when you're not on... Yeah, oh, on well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, I feel like, I feel like some people might listen to this and just be like, oh, you know, what, you know, this is so boring and nerdy. Uh, but like, the reason I do it is to provide... It was about character building. Yeah, exactly. And, and how, how, to contrast how the originals do it so well and how the new movies do it so poorly... And what's funny is because this was just before Last Jedi came out, so we're talking about our theories, like what's going to happen, and we were just singing Ryan Johnson's praises, being like, oh, he's a really good filmmaker, you know? Um, but that was before the dark times, yeah. <laughs> before we before we knew what he would do. Before we, the subversion. Yeah, we, we thought everything would be explained. You know, we were questioning the... You know all these unanswered questions in Force Awakens, and then we we're like, "Oh, I'm sure the last, I'm sure Ryan Johnson, the Last Jedi, will will answer them." Nope. He did. He did Looper and Brick. How bad can it be? Yeah, we were just like, "Oh my god!" You know, he just does so well with the character development and dialogue. Nope, apparently no. not. <laughs> um, also, this was before the Disney Fox merger, so yeah. we were kind of like, you know, simpler times. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoy this special flashback episode for the second Star Wars special. Sound the alarm! Welcome to the second Man vs. Movie Star Wars special, live here on 98.9 Northwest FM. I'm your host, James, and lock S-foils into attack position, because tonight we're talking all things Star Wars. I'm joined in the studio again by Callum and Nathan. How you going? I think the first episode of my show you guys were on with us was the first Star Wars special, um, so it's good to have you back for this one. If you haven't listened to the first Man vs. Movies Star Wars special... That was uh, all the way back in episode eight uh, of the show. You can download that, uh, the podcast of that on iTunes, 
Shout Engine or wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, uh, my sinuses are still blocked, so hopefully that's not too bad for listeners out there. I apologize. Yeah, so I guess we've got a lot to get through, so we'll just jump right in. Star Wars, everyone loves it. We love it. <laughs> um, I rewatched the original movies a couple of days ago. Uh, still amazing. Rewatched the uh, Force Awakens yesterday. Still terrible. Uh, <laughs> Did you rewatch Rogue One? No, no. There, there's no point. <laughs> Not the only reason the only reason I rewatched um, Force Awakens is because you know it leads into the Last Jedi, which is coming out tomorrow night. So, which we're all going to see. Um, <clears throat> Just a quick point for the listeners: if you haven't seen the Force Awakens and you want to see the Last Jedi at the midnight launch, they are playing the Force Awakens before the Last Jedi at the cinemas on Wednesday night. On Wednesday night. Okay, that's cool. So if you haven't seen it and you're thinking about it, or you if want you to want to rewatch out, it to get want, refresh, yeah, yeah, or if you want to refresh yourself before yeah. the Last Jedi, it'll take a bit of stamina, but it's probably worth it. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, if people have listened to more than one episode of the show, they know I don't like... I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but I don't like Force Awakens. No one hates Star Wars like Star Wars fans. Exactly. Um, So, like I said, if you haven't listened to the first Star Wars special, it was episode eight of Man vs. Movies, and I recommend listening to that one first before listening to this one, uh, just because I get all, all... You know, I talk about all the stuff I didn't like about Force Awakens, and I talk about why the original movies are so great and why The Force Awakens doesn't live up to that. Grumpiness. Alert. Yeah, definitely. Uh, grumpiness alert for tonight's show as well. I'm not, um, you know, I'm gonna be in a pretty yeah, crappy mood. But yeah, I think it's important because I'm, I'm, pre- I'm pretty much explain all that stuff in in that first Star Wars special, and I don't want to kind of repeat myself again. Uh, we will be talking a bit more about Force Awakens tonight, but don't let that scare you off. Like, stick around because we'll be talking about you know what we want from the Last Jedi and and the future of the franchise as well. Uh, but I recommend, yeah, listening to to the first special just because it'll provide a lot of context for, for what I'm going to talk about tonight as well. Yeah, so I guess with... I mean, there's so much stuff I, I wanted to talk about with Force Awakens that, you know, I, I didn't even get get a chance to talk about the first time around because it's such a bad movie and then there's so much stuff that, that I have to get through. Uh, you know, I ran out of time last time, but I won't go into it all again because um, it's like beating a dead bantha. Um, but I think one of the problems that keeps coming up is that I think uh, Force Awakens was an overcorrection and I think people were so hurt by the prequels that any sign of going in the right direction sends them into a frenzy. So I think if the prequels didn't exist, The Force Awakens would have been a completely different movie. And I think just the fact that the prequels existed and people were so negative towards them is why The Force Awakens is why it is. I sort of disagree a little bit because I feel like The Force Awakens was also a bit of a soft reboot. So if we didn't have the prequels, we would still have that large time gap. That's what I'm saying is... Is it's a reboot because people didn't want the prequels. So J.J. Abrams came in and he said, "Let's just do the A New Hope again." You know yeah, what I mean? It's I, his his stormtroopers, his tie fighters, his lightsabers. You, you just it's a safe zone. He was just letting people know this is Star Wars, and I think that's yeah, a problem. If the prequels were a great success, 
they probably wouldn't have stopped making Star Wars movies. Like I think yeah. that if, if everyone yeah. was if, if everyone was on board with the prequels, it probably just would have kept going on with the yeah. sequels or, or whatever. So we would have got a completely different um, line. Of, and I think Force Awakens would have been a much better movie because I think the one of the problems with Force Awakens is they're focusing so much on trying not to be the prequels that they forgot to make a good movie. Um, and it brings nothing. It brings nothing new to the table, and so it's a bad sequel because it's not. It's not uh, developing the characters. It's not building the world. It's just like here's all the old stuff you you remember, and it becomes it becomes pointless because it's just a refresher. It's just a reboot. Um, it's just a member berry you pop in your mouth, and it's like, hey, remember all this cool stuff you liked? I remember. Uh, yeah, I remember. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Um, um, and and so. Yeah, it's 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 that kind of movie. It's just a nostalgia trip. Um, it's nothing. It, there's nothing new contained in it. Nothing. Nothing in the story needs to really happen. It's all. It's all quite pointless. Um, and I rewatched it last night, and you know, halfway through, um, it just like the second half of that movie just takes a huge nosedive where nothing in it needs to happen. Uh, once they get off Jakku. And it's like they just happen to be found by Han Solo, who's been looking for that ship for so long. And then they just happen to be found by the bounty hunters. And then there's, there's a lot that, of Yeah, and then there's that horrible Rathtar sequence where they get chased around the ship with, with that giant CGI blob, which I like. I still don't understand why people forgave that. Like, that is something ripped straight out of the prequels. It's this big blobby alien with tentacles rolling down the hallways, chasing them. And they're all like, wapa wapa, like <laughs> running away. And I'm like, this is something out of Attack of the Clones. Like, this is ridiculous. But people were fine because it was Han Solo. You know, people were fine because it was a practical set and not CGI. And I think that's that's the problem with Force Awakens is... People were so hurt by the prequels that any sign of the originals were just that's they're on board. Like there's no, you know, there's no care of the story or the world or or, or the char- like characters or whatever. It's just as long as there's no midi chlorians, as long as there's no CGI crap everywhere, which there ends up no being space in Jesus, Wagons. no space Jesus. Uh, well, Ray's space Superman, so I, I think it's close. See, again, people people don't want to see the similarities with the prequels. I think one thing I don't like about Force Awakens is it's as bad as the prequels for different reasons. And I know people that that statement will send people, you know, running or or trying to kill me. I feel but, a stirring in the Force. Yeah. So so the prequels are bad because they over-explain things, right? But the Force Awakens is bad because it doesn't explain anything. Oh, hold on, hold on. There's also and a lot of terrible acting in the prequels. No, well, that's true. The performances <laughs> are better in Force Awakens. But, you know, whereas in the prequels, it's like it's not funny at all. The Force Awakens is too funny. Like, it's a joke. It's a, it becomes a comedy, like slapstick. Yeah. And so, like I said, it's an overcorrection. The, the, the Force Awakens is not a movie. It's a, it's a reaction to the prequels. It's, it's something to saying, hey, this isn't the prequels. Don't worry, guys. We got you. It's a safety blanket. It's a dummy. It, it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's a warm hug. It's, a, it's just something to make sure that you, you don't, you, you know, you, we're not going to hurt you again, you know? It's, it was that. It wasn't a movie. The bad man is gone. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> the first line of Force Awakens is, uh, this will begin to make things right. Like, I think that might have been a jab at George Lucas. Like, we're going to, you know, we're going to... And, you know, that's fine. I understand why people like that. But it's not a movie. It's, it's, you know, like I said, it's just, it's a signal to say, 
it's okay, guys. This is more like the originals, and, and they end up just re, you know pretty much remaking the original movie. It's a, it's a joke, and and I think in that in that way, it's a bad sequel because it doesn't further the journey of the characters. You know, Luke's is absent for the entire movie. Uh, Leia only has five, maybe ten minutes of screen time, doesn't really have any development there. And Harrison Ford probably only agreed if he can die in the <laughs> Exactly. <movie. laughs> and so he, he literally sleepwalks through the film and he doesn't really have anything to do. And uh, when he dies, I should have said this is spoilers for all of uh, Star Wars except for Last Jedi because... Um, you know, Last Jedi hasn't come out yet, so you know if you're listening, this is, will be spoilers for every Star Wars property other than Last Jedi. Um, but yeah, and when he dies, it's like completely devoid of emotion because it's like, well, one, you see it coming a mile away because they walk on right to that ridiculous yeah. bridge, which yeah, is yeah, just yeah. so. Oh my god! To, to be fair, it was also the worst but, kept secret in Star Wars history. Yeah, true. Um, but also like, like I think I said, you know, in the first Star Wars special, like Kylo Ren is the only character with any development. And that scene is really about Kylo Ren and not about Harrison Ford, not about Han Solo. Um, and so, you know, none of the older characters, uh, the original trilogy core group get any development. They have no reason for being there. And all the new characters are just kind of along for the ride. And, and so like... As soon as Han Solo shows up in that movie, he hijacks the whole movie from Ray and Finn, who are the new characters who we should be following. You know, and so it got, kind of gets bogged down and it gets sidetracked. And, you know, and then Ray gets kidnapped and she disappears for 10 minutes of the movie. And then she turns out to be really and strong then, yeah, the and then Yeah, and then she's never even heard of the Force before. And, and now she be, ends up being And she knows Superman. exactly how to use oh, those skills. That mind trick. That annoyed sequ- me, yeah. That mind trick. It's the f- mind yeah. you, this is the first time she's ever used the Force yeah, in the whole that movie. Was it's about the- an hour and 25, hour and 30 minutes <laughs> and into the movie. That's probably one of my Correct. major problems yeah. with the movie. And correct me if I'm wrong. But in the old canon, yeah. uh, isn't the mind trick one of the yeah. hardest things to pull off? I, I mentioned in the first Star Wars special, like, it takes Luke three movies to do the mind trick. Like, yeah, it, it's yeah. A, for him, it's a, it's a struggle. You know, there's 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 that time where he you know he needs to develop his powers. Where Ray does every Force power imaginable in the one movie. At the end of the movie, actually, be, before you know, no training, even no knowledge that the Force even she does. She's never even heard of the Jedi mind trick. She just starts telling the stormtroopers. Uh, Jedi, Jedi's are a myth at this in this movie as well. Uh, keep in mind exactly. And again, it's a reboot because that. No one's heard of Jedi's again because even though Luke has restarted his and school, it's only, it's only it been got, th- and it's only been thirty yeah, years. But all of a sudden, they're now a myth who's yeah, just talking exactly. about whispers. Like it's it's so it's so like it's like I said as well. Like they blow up the you know the Starkiller base blows up the entire Republic, um, like all the Republic planets, literally rebooting the universe so that <laughs> there's only the Resistance who are the rebels and there's only the uh. First Order who are the who are the Empire. Like you know, like I said, it's not a movie. It's like a re- like they're just rebooting it so they can start from where where the original movie started. And I think if the prequels weren't as bad, Force Awakens wouldn't have done that. It would have been an actual sequel to the Return of the Jedi, and we would have followed Luke. Um, I think a, a better way to do Force Awakens is if it was more like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where uh, Ray is a young force-sensitive person who is seeking out Luke, you know, trying to find his secret Jedi school that no one knows. And it becomes like a kind of like an adventure. Like she's trying to find this, you know, mythical, uh, you know, Jedi who's saved the galaxy and and she goes on an adventure. And then halfway through the movie, she finds him and, you know, becomes, uh, you know, like she trains with them. 
And instead of like the first it, order just being the empire, there's you know maybe someone and a bad guy looking for Luke as and, well. And instead, we got Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, where Harrison Ford hides <laughs> in a fridge. <laughs> Um, like, what was I going to say? Like, and then Starkiller Base is, you know, just even worse because it's like another Death Star. Let's let's just face it, it's another Death Star. Except, oh, um, this time it's bigger. And they, and they have a bloody trash compactor. Um, oh, gag. Captain Fa- Oh my god, let's talk about Captain Phasma. All right, <clears throat> I'm gonna, I'm cracking my fingers for this. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. All right, get get into my chair. Gwendolyn Gwendolyn Christie, awesome actor. I love Game of Thrones. So they cast her as Captain Phasma. Uh, she looks cool, whatever. Silver, silver stormtrooper. I, I've said before, I don't like the design of the new stormtroopers. They're, one, they're too similar to the original stormtroopers. There's nothing different there. And two, they're kind of rounded and they look kind of chubby and, and uh, you know, they kind of have this weird smile on their face. It's not a good design, but whatever. She's, she's the silver version. Cool, whatever. She, she shows up at the start of the movie. The start of The Force Awakens is terrible. Because, you know, all the stormtroopers are fight, uh, shooting at these resistance people in this little desert village. Um, there's no sense of tension. You don't know who these people are. You don't know whatever. Then uh, Kylo Ren's shuttle lands. And, like, the door just opens and he runs out. Like, there's no sense of anticipation. Um, you know, in the original movies, um, Return of the Jedi uh, is a good example. The start of Return of the Jedi, when when Darth Vader's shuttle lands uh, on the second Death Star, you see the, like, the, what do you call it, the ramp that comes out of the bottom of the shuttle. Yep. Before it opens, there's just whirring and clicking sounds. And there's this really tense, you know, sense of anticipation. Um, and if you haven't seen the movie before, you're not exactly sure who's on the ship. If you have seen the movie before, you know it's Darth Vader and you still get that prickly feeling on the back of your neck. Um, it's just the whirring and clicking. And then the ramp slowly moves down and then you see Darth Vader, you know, descend the ramp and come out onto the, into the hangar bay. Um, and, you know, then he, he, you know, he threatens the, the, the commander of the Death Star to, you know, get, get construction move. We shall double our efforts. Um, <laughs> And, you know, uh, compare that with Force Awakens where Kylo just runs out. There's no, you know, no sense of anticipation, whatever. He's the new bad guy of this series of movies, but, you know, whatever. He just runs out. Then, you know, after he's, like, threatening the villagers and whatever, Captain Phasma just comes out behind him. Like, she just appears. There's no... There's no introduction of Captain Phasma at all. She just kind of appears. And I guess, you know, you're supposed to believe she's, you know, one of the commanders, whatever. But you never actually see her fighting, uh, you know, with, with the stormtroopers in the village before that. Um, so she hasn't really done anything before that. Um, then, you know, Kylo tells the stormtroopers to kill the villagers and Captain Phasma gives the order. So I guess, I guess she's a bad guy. Then uh, Finn goes back to Starkiller Base um, and takes off his helmet um, and Captain Phasma tells him, you know, who, who told you you could take off your helmet? Then you don't see her pretty much for the whole movie. Mm. You, you, there is one scene where General Hux is, like, giving a big speech. General Hux is another stupid character, which I won't get into. All the characters are stupid. It's Speaking a terrible of General movie. Hux, what annoyed yeah. me about the casting of... Um, He's too young. He'd never seen the movies before. Really? No, he's like, you know, I had to prepare for this role and he's like, we started shooting and he's like, I had to go and see all the movies again. I'm like, he ne- like, why would you audition? Like, how can you? No, be- but well, it's no, an, I- an actor is an actor. They don't care. No, it's, a, it's a role for I them. I know, but, he, but he's I, like, 
I like the actor. I just don't like the character, which is a problem with all, all, the, all of Force Awakens. But anyway, so you, there is that scene where they blow up the Republic planets where Captain Phasma is like standing in the background. But other than that, you don't see her until the very end of the movie where they literally turn her into a joke. Like everything else in The Force Awakens, it's a joke. And they force her to turn off the deflector shields for Starkiller Base. And then they're like, oh, is there a trash compactor? You know, let's throw her in. And then cut and she's not there anymore. So literally this character has done nothing the whole over two hours of this movie. And people are like, oh, but she's cool. Oh, but, you know, she'll be in Last Jedi. But like I said, she does, we, don't have to, we don't have to watch Empire to understand the characters in Star Wars, you know? Like, it's ridiculous that I have to watch Last Jedi just to understand why this, who this character is. Um, so it's a terrible character. But you know, it's an easily fixable thing. So you could have had her lead the charge on Jakku at the beginning. She, she should have been in with the stormtroopers killing villagers so you understand, you know, there could have been that, that when, when Kylo comes off the shuttle, all the stormtroopers should have stood to attention and then you could have cut to Captain Phasma and, and everyone's like, oh, they're standing to attention because Captain Phasma's the boss but then she stands to attention as well you know, and then Kylo comes up behind her and you know, oh, this guy's the big boss. You know, it's visual filmmaking. That, it's stuff yeah. the original movies do so well that... J.J. Abrams has no I also feel concept like, of. I also feel like a problem seems to be that they didn't really think about what a person would actually do in any given yeah. situation. So, as you said, Phasma should have led the charge. Exactly. Like, you would think in, in a real-life situation, she would lead the charge. Yeah. It's they not didn't even, really it's think not about even that. real life. It's like it's writing a script. This is how you develop characters. This is how you portray a world, you know. The original movies are so great at this, and J.J. Abrams is uh, he's terrible at this stuff. Um, then later in the film... You have the scene where Finn gets the lightsaber because why not? I mean, I don't know. And then he's like, you know, runs out and he just stabs a stormtrooper in, in the chest. Like even though like hours before he had been a stormtrooper, this is probably a guy he knew. He just yells. He's like, ah, oh, and he just stabs a storm. It's, it's insane. It's kill or be killed in the streets. No way. It's not even self-defense. You can't even, you can't even def- defend it anyway. Then, then another stormtrooper comes up. This is a bit where I like, I like laugh out loud, and he he yells at he yells at Finn, traitor, and he drops his gun and he pulls out this electric rod thing. It's yeah, so stupid. It's so stupid. Like I laugh out loud, right? And then he fights. I'm like, why wasn't that Captain Phasma? Like, why wasn't she like, hey, I trained you. Yeah. You know, I'm going to own you. Because Disney does not then, support violence against women. And then there's oh, other no, no, problems there. Let's not, let's not derail so, it. Let's so, not derail you know, like, so there's... And, and that would have been good for Finn's character as well. He's, he's killing his, quote-unquote, surrogate mother, if you want. And it would have been better for his storyline as a, as a storm, reformed stormtrooper, which they drop in the first five minutes of the movie. They just ignore that. It's, yeah, it's like, it's, it's terrible beyond words. But then, like, people were like, oh... Captain Phasma, yeah, she doesn't do anything, but she looks cool. She's like Boba Fett. And, and now, now I'm like, okay. Now I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not having any of this. Boba Fett's my favorite character from the original movies. Not only because he looks cool, but because he's a badass. And I'm going to explain how Empire Strikes Back, mostly through visuals, not, in, not, not even through dialogue, but dialogue as well, presents... Uh, Boba Fett as a character, as someone who, you know, you understand just through watching the short bits he's on screen. So the first time you see Boba Fett, he's standing amongst all the other bounty hunters who are all, you know, eccentric characters who all have interesting designs. 
Um, but he's, he always stands out because he's like the coolest looking dude. And then, uh, you know, Darth Vader says, you know, I want the Millennium Falcon. I want the passengers, uh, the crew are alive. And he, he singles Boba Fett out. He says, no disintegrations. That tells me Boba Fett, he's known for not giving a shit. Like, Specifically just, for disintegrations. He, yeah, he blows stuff up. He, he's, he's more, if, if, if it's wanted dead or alive, he'll go for the dead. Like he just, you know, he's a badass. So automatically that tells me heaps about, it, it, t- it tells me a lot about the world, about bounty hunters, about, you know, whatever. Quickly speaking about bounty hunters, yeah. the Mandalorian flag is in A Force Awakens. So we can assume that now that is still canon. Can, yeah, because it's in the Rebels series as well, which is canon oh, technically. Yeah. Um, a- anyway, so we understand a lot about Boba Fett just in that one scene. Then we get that great scene where the Millennium Falcon is uh, flying past the Star Destroyer and it disappears. And the the Imperial crew is like, what the hell, where did it go? Uh, no ship that small has a cloaking device. And then you see that what they've done is the Han Solo has like attached the Millennium Falcon to the outside of the uh, Star Destroyer so that they can't like it you know they're pretty much you know stuck to the Star Destroyer so they can't see them and then when the Star Destroyer drops its uh, garbage to jump to hyperspace which is uh, apparently standard procedure Han Solo detaches the Millennium Falcon and floats away with the garbage so no one can detect him so we learn a lot there but then what happens is when they fly away you see Boba Fett's Slave 1 in in the garbage like he knew what han saw he's one step ahead so this tells me this guy is super smart, right? This guy is the coolest guy in the galaxy. He knows what han saw is going to do before even han solo does it. So then they they're in cloud city and, and Han Solo uh, finds out that Lando has betrayed them and Darth Vader is actually... The Empire is already at Cloud City. And you get that cool bit where Han Solo shoots at Darth Vader and Darth Vader just deflects the laser bolts with his hand, which is really, really cool. But then, who comes out? Boba Fett comes out behind Darth Vader. Oh, my God. Like, he, w- he got there before Han Solo did because he knew where Han Solo was going. He- Would this void the contract? What contract? If Darth Vader is like right there mm. and he's hiring the bounty hunters to catch Han Solo. No, no, no. The, boun- the bounty hunter knew uh, Han Solo was going to Cloud yeah. City. So he called the Empire and was like, dudes, get to Cloud City ASAP. Oh, right. I'll meet you there. Han Solo is going there. Um, because uh, the Millennium Falcon didn't have hyperdrive. So the the, um, the Empire could have and, and, and Boba Fett could have got there using hyperdrive. Uh, in you know, in a short amount of time, and set up before Han Solo got there. It's so cool, like right. Also, Boba Fett is the man with man with no name. The Clint Eastwood. He he's wearing like a poncho. He's uh, he's uh, when he walks into the dining room on Cloud City, you can hear his spurs, like his like feet, like he, he's a cowboy. Like no one no one in the movie calls him Boba Fett. They call him the Bounty Hunter. Like he's literally the man with no name. He's he's a cowboy. He's a he, he's a Western character. He's, he's a Western character in a space Western. It's really yeah, and the movies are Western. Yeah, the movies he's, are, like, uh, he's a classic Bounty Hunter. Yeah, and this yeah. is why uh, this is again. Why, why the new movies don't understand that the original Star Wars movies have more in common with westerns and night, you know, knights in shining armor movies and pirate movies uh, and World War Two movies. They have more in common with those than they do with so- other sci-fi movies. Like you know, th- yeah, the they, only, they don't the only understand. Thing the only thing about it that science fiction is the fact that it's in space. Pretty much, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So anyway, Boba Fett. We get we learn we learn heaps about this character, even though you know he doesn't have a name. He's just a badass dude, right? Then later, they're going to put Han Solo into, into carbonite, right? 
no, this is a bit before that. They're 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 um they're torturing Han Solo, right? And uh, Boba Fett says to Darth Vader, "He's no good to me, dead." Um, mind you, this is the theatrical version. You know, when he doesn't have a weird Kiwi accent, like this is badass Clint Eastwood sounding Boba Fett, right? Um, he says, he's no good to me, dead. So this guy's talking back to Darth Vader. No one talks back to Darth Vader without getting force choked, right? But this guy's so badass that he doesn't care. He couldn't, he, he couldn't care less. And, 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 um, it's because of leverage. Because it's like Boba Fett's reputation is like true, he can get but anything done. You know, so he's worth we, more than we Darth understand, Vader alive. We understand that reputation with only seeing this character, what, two times before yeah. this. Um, you know, he, like I said, he doesn't have a name. He doesn't have any backstory. Yeah, but we understand like, all this. It's you, character it building. It takes a powerful character to be able to talk yeah. back to Darth Vader. Because even of, when Darth Vader knows, it's like, look, I'm not going to kill this dude because he's worth a lot more to exactly. me alive than he is dead. Exactly. Anyway, um, then later they're putting uh, Han Solo in Carbonite, you know, and uh, Darth Vader says, you know, you'll be, you'll be compensated if Han Solo dies, you know, because then he can't get the money from Jabba the Hutt. Uh, you know, so again, we're learning a lot there. Um, you know, the fact that Boba Fett's even allowed in the room, um, just heaps of stuff. And then at the end, of course, he takes uh, um, Han Solo uh, on his Slave One ship and, and gets away. So, you know... He also shoots out with Luke, which is cool too. Like he, Luke is, you know, finally makes it to Cloud City. He's sneaking around Cloud City. He sees uh, Boba Fett and the troops taking uh, Han Solo and Carbonite uh, down the hallway, um, and they leave. And then Luke sneaks up, and then Boba Fett doubles back and starts shooting at Luke. Like he knew Luke was there. Like this guy's so cool. Um, maybe he has the Force. Maybe uh, he's just probably really good at his job. You know. <laughs> um, Anyway, so, like, I love this character so much, mostly because he looks cool, but also because you get a sense of his entire character, his work ethic, his reputation, just you, through these little things. And we get none of that with Phasma. And that's what... Phasma should have been like that. You should have been getting those clues to Phasma, like, oh, she's a badass, oh, you know, her, what's her reputation, you know? We don't get any of that. We might get some of that in Last Jedi, but I shouldn't have to watch Last Jedi to make sense of force awakens and and i think this is a this is a problem a larger problem with force awakens is you can pinpoint all the points in the original uh movies how they develop the characters how they develop the world i talked about it in the first special and if you watch force awakens you don't get any of that like i have no idea who these characters are they just kind of run around screaming like there's no sense of uh, struggle. There's no sense of reputation. There's no sense of who these people are. Where you know what this world is, you know. So I mean, my point is, Phasma is not just like Boba Fett. She's a pointless character um, who could have been an amazing character, as with Ray, as with Finn, as with all the other characters as well. Like, the, it would have been easy to. To you know, make, like I said, Finn's character development could have come alongside Phasma. If you develop Phasma, you develop Finn, and you intertwine those characters. You get, as soon as Finn betrays Phasma, you get automatic reputation for for Finn to join the Resistance. Because when he joins the Resistance in Force Awakens, it's kind of like, cause everything in the movie is just, oh, just cause. You they know, just happen to find the Millennium Falcon. The, the, the characters, happen. the characters uh, in Force Awakens are very much throwaway characters. Exactly, they're like you, you see some of them for maybe ten minutes each, mm. and then they're going to have another ten minutes each in Last Jedi, and they'll have another ten minutes each in in Episode Nine. You know, so I, 
as you said, you were talking about Boba Fett, and we learn a lot about Boba Fett, you know, yeah. through through what he says and does, mm. and that's all of that's missing from not just Phasma, but like pretty much every uh, character every in character. Force Awakens. Um, I reckon they did alright with Poe. No, what do you mean? Who's Poe? He's a good pilot. Okay. He literally Point like taken. he literally like this is another problem with Force Awakens. Nothing needs to happen that happens in the movie. So, all right. So they they capture Poe. Capture uh, Poe puts the Poe puts the map to Luke Skywalker in BB-8. BB-8. <laughs> Nathan's deflated. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm not getting angry at you. I'm getting angry. BB-8 at you. was a cool a cool little idea. That, that was, I didn't that was think cool. I'd like BB-8, but I liked like how they made him how he actually looks cool. Except when he gets in all slapsticky things where he's fly flipping and flying around. That's silly. Anyway, so uh, Poe puts the map into BB-8. BB-8 runs away. Kylo finds Poe, takes him up to the Star Destroyer. And, and starts interrogating him, finds out that uh, Poe put the map in BB-8, and then Finn comes and uh, breaks out Poe, uh, but only because he needs a pilot because he can't fly on his own. So he's not doing it for, for any uh, other sense than he needs someone to pilot the ship. Uh, they automatically become friends, which doesn't make any sense. Um, but they're all already like, yeah, buddy, cool. And they like fist bump and it's like a thing and, and it's funny and, you know, I, inter- I interpreted um, that as uh, Poe being eager to charm someone into helping him. Like, it's, that, it's it's like not, enthusiastically it, saying, yeah, buddy, let's do this. It's not because it comes up later in the movie where they're best friends automatically. Uh, anyway, so and originally Poe was supposed to die. Like he was, he was literally only there to get Finn off. If they wanted to get Finn off the thing, they should have just made Finn a pilot or they should have just made Finn push the autopilot thing on a, and ship. Anyway, it, it doesn't matter. But anyway, so they, they escape from the um, Star Destroyer and they crash back on Jakku. So it's like, why do they go back onto the ship if all they were going to do is go back to Jakku where BB-8 and where the actual story is happening? Um, Poe is uh, disappears. He's suspected to be dead. Uh, then Finn finds uh, Ray, who has already found BB-8. Um, so all that stuff on the Star Destroyer isn't really necessary. All that stuff with Poe isn't really necessary. Poe is a non-character. He shouldn't really exist, even though I love Oscar Isaac and, and uh, Poe is probably my favorite part of the movie just because of Oscar Isaac. Um, so we don't need that anyway. So they, they find the Millennium Falcon, they blast off into, into space and then they automatically get found by, uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca who just happened to find them somehow. I don't know. It's just beyond stupid um meanwhile that they haven't jumped to hyperspace as far as i can tell in the movie so the star destroyer that was orbiting jakku didn't even notice that they had blasted off the planet i that doesn't make any sense in 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 the original movie when when the millennium falcon blasts off of tatooine uh the star destroyer is already there chasing them before they jump to light speed it's it doesn't make any sense anyway so they're flying around they get found by han solo and Han Solo uh, then gets found by the bounty hunters, which the Rathar sequence, which is just so bad and just just gives me a migraine. Like, it's prequel levels of terrible CGI crap. And I didn't like the bounty hunters, like, you know, either. That didn't... Eh, I won't get into that. But anyway, then they, then, they, then they jump to light speed in the hangar bay, which is another thing. It just... Ma- light speed is now magic, where they can just jump to light speed in the middle of whatever. Then they go to Maz, who's this new character who we don't really need. And they're like, can we? Can you get BB-8 to the Resistance? And she's like, no. And then the First Order shows up, and then and then Leia shows up with the Resistance. And it's like, why didn't they just skip Maz's planet completely? Go straight. Han Solo should have just taken them straight to Leia, and 
Leia and Ray should have had that relationship building that Ray and Maz had instead, which didn't make any sense because Maz is why is she there? Who's this? What, who's this? You know, old Yoda ripoff. And all the all the lines of dialogue that Maz gives to Ray don't make any sense. She, she's like, I'm a th- she's like, I'm no Jedi, but I know about the Force. I'm like, because that- why didn't why wasn't this stuff that Leia was telling Ray? Like, I, I you know I'm not you know Luke's the Jedi, but I'll tell you about what he told me. Like, I completely it makes sense. agree. I completely agree. Exactly. And there's a point because also they find Luke Skywalker in Maz Kanata's planet as well. Like, why? No, 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 that that's a different planet. Different planet. Never yeah, mind. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that would that would have been so stupid. I would have. A, there was the vision, though. There somewhere. was the vision, there which the which vision. caused more problems. That's another. I mean, that's another problem uh, that that I won't get into. But then he, she, she finds the lightsaber in the bottom of Maz's, uh, you know, yeah, castle, that's what I'm talking uh, about. Maz's castle um, thingy, thing. Yeah. Um, the lightsaber. You know, you said she finds Luke. No, I said the, light- the lightsaber. I meant the lightsaber. Yeah, yeah she yeah. finds like, the lightsaber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which she could have found the lightsaber on the Millennium <clears throat> no, Falcon. No, no, but no, no. She, she should have. Ray. Um, Leia should have had or Ray's. Uh, Leia should have yeah. had Luke's lightsaber. Anywhere else would have made and, more sense and then, than where and we given found it. In and this given movie. it to Ray, and then again, you get that more bonding between those characters. Characters who don't meet until the end of the movie when they hug, and it doesn't make any sense. That's right, because poor Chewie, like, man, poor Chewie, poor Chewie gets ignored. Yeah, and Leia gets a cold been, shoulder from yeah, Leia, like exa- zero sense. Exactly, Leia could have been like, "Look, I feel something in you. I can feel the yeah. force through you." Why don't you hold this lightsaber also, and then she could have got the vision Also, it's, that other it's stupid. It necessary. It's stupid enough that they brought back the old lightsaber that was uh, lost on Cloud City. Like, it doesn't... I don't care what the hell they explain it in Last Jedi, if they explain it at all. It, it doesn't need to come back. The only reason they brought it back is because Disney and J.J. Abrams have this twisted idea that it's the Skywalker family lightsaber and it has to go through all the lines of the new movies. A lightsaber is a lightsaber, it's this bro. Stupid, yeah, no, yeah, not even that. It's this stupid idea that... Um, that legacy and nostalgia override story and character and make things that make sense. Remember and logic. Luke's lightsaber? Yeah, remember. I remember, exactly. I remember yeah. Now, it would have made more sense <laughs> if when Luke went into exile, he left his lightsaber with Leia and then Leia gives Rey his green lightsaber, the new lightsaber. That would have been much more powerful, and, Made would have made much more sense. And as, and as a character choice for Luke, it would have made sense because he's given up fighting. He's given up his sword. But, also, at this point now... I'm so done. Just I to, hate this movie just, so much. And that's Man vs. Movies. Just to also... A little bit of I almost a took up the whole now. show. We're going to move on now because I've just, A little bit of a sidetrack with some of the um, spoiler-free opinions and feelings that have come out with the new movie. They'd said some veteran characters... A little bit of a tease. Some veteran characters, how they deal with being more powerful than anyone can imagine. Mm. Now, I'm just assuming that that's in relation to Luke. Yeah. So, if he's so powerful that he probably doesn't even need his lightsaber anyway. So, he's just like, well, it, it why do been, I care? It would have been really cool if Ray found Luke, you know, less than halfway through the movie... And and he was and and she you know presents him with the lightsaber like he's she does like, at the end of the movie and don't he's like need it. he's like you know what kid you keep it you're the Jedi now I'm the master uh, I'm so Zen I don't need to fight you know, I've the- learned that fighting leads to the dark side I will teach you the things I know. And you can be the new character. Exactly. If he that would have made be- so much sense. The passing of the torch from Luke to Ray should have been what Force Awakens was about. Instead, Luke is completely absent from the movie. Leia does nothing. Han Solo walks, sleepwalks through the film, and the film becomes pointless. Callum, go on. Sorry. I was going to say, if he's if he's supposed to be so powerful and he doesn't want to be found, yeah, wouldn't he just mask his presence? But then I but then I realized myself. No, no. Then I realized myself yeah. that the reason they found him in the first place is because he's so shook up from feeling the the force vibrations from 
Starkiller Bay is killing everyone. See, like... Then, then he's like, ah. Oh. I didn't really get a sense of that either. But then, I mean, there's so much... Then, then like, uh, literally, there's a scene where, where BB-8 finds R2, who's just in a corner somewhere. Like, why didn't they give him, a, like, a little room? Like, why was he just under a blanket and in a corner? Like, it's so messed up. And then, uh, you know, BB-8 beeps, and C-3PO says... Oh no, I don't think I don't think he's um, depressed with that yeah, yeah, Luke. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I, I, which is stupid on its own. But um, I, I don't think R two would have the rest of the map in his backup data. Uh, let's move on, and then they ignore it till the end of the movie when R two just happens to wake up after every, all, all the events of the movie happen. It's like Deus Ex R two or something. He wakes up and oh, he actually did have the rest of the map, and he projects <laughs> it, and BB eight projects the little part of the map he had, and it's just like. What the hell is this? Like, they're just making shit up. Like, yeah. they, they wrote the whole movie and then, like, oh, how do they get so, the rest yeah, of the map? Archie had it the whole time. It's like I've said before. It's like they hire undergraduates. Not that there's anything wrong with undergraduates, but it's like they hire yeah, they like, do first or second year uni, yeah. level, uh, uni level script writers to produce their scripts and then there's like no, yeah. no drafts yeah, after like, that. We'll, we'll see how we go as the movie moves yeah, on. Yeah, it's like but, they write the, and they're like, oh, we're kind of writing ourselves into a corner. Oh, just have a character come in and look, fix it all. On a high there's note, no... Ryan Johnson is a step above these people. Ryan Johnson's very good with character um, and I think he'll do a much better so job. So I, I think that you shouldn't listen to what we say about the Force Awakens story as an indication of what The well, Last Jedi we'll is We'll talk gonna... about that in a minute about, you know, why that, you know, um, could, couldn't, but, couldn't work. Just, on an unrelated note. Yeah. At at or ATAT? We've discussed this on the last special. It's ATAT because the ATST you can't say at sit. Yeah. So yeah. at at you can't say. I mean, you can if you want. I'm not going to argue, but it, to me, it's ATAT. Good man. Oh, anyway, um, two two more things and we'll move on. <laughs> two more things and we'll move on. C3PO's red arm. Stupid. To sell toys, whatever. It, it's not. It's not a big that deal. Didn't, yeah, that didn't really bother it doesn't, me. Didn't it's really... a nitpick. Doesn't yeah. bother me. But the, he mentions it quite clearly to Han Solo. Like you know, whatever. Uh, you know, he could have got that arm in any number of ways. He has a silver leg in all of the original trilogy. It makes sense. Whatever. But then at the end of the movie, he has his arm replaced with his old gold arm, and no one mentions it. Like he's clearly waving with his new gold arm, but there's like no. And I'm like. Again, this could have been more character development in the movie. R2 could have waken up and could have replaced C-3PO's arm with his old one as a way of character bonding because those are the two characters who have always been together, you know? Um, and, you know, C-3PO only trusts R2 to do repairs or whatever, you know? Just little things, little things here and there. I could go on all night and all nights after this about Force Awakens and why it's so terrible and why the originals are so good, but uh, we've already, you know, blasted through most of the time. So we'll talk... Oh, wait, one more thing. Creed is a movie I really loved from the last couple of years. Good movie, good movie. It's a great movie, right? And one of the reasons I loved it so much is because I wasn't expecting it to be any good because it's a long-awaited sequel to a you know classic beloved movie franchise. It's like, oh, you know, here we know another Rocky, oh, but with a different guy, whoop-de-doo, you know. But one of the reasons it's so, so great is because it takes the original you know series and it takes the character of Rocky, who's now a lot older and sicker, it develops him alongside a newcomer, a new character who's, you know, related to, to the franchise, Apollo Creed's son. And so you get, not only do you develop this new character, you're also developing the 
classic original character, yeah. you know? And that's Force Awakens should have been like Creed. You but, have the original characters passing the torch to you, the younger characters, you have the original characters developing their own, and you have the new characters developing to take the torch and continue the franchise for the future. Mark Hamill actually talked uh, during an interview, uh, he said that uh, Luke, you actually find a, Luke has a lot of growth in this film, apparently. Mm. He says that it was it was in nice to Jedi. rediscover, yeah, it was nice to rediscover the character and see how they grow. So I'm hoping that that's the kind of dynamic he and Ray might have yeah. where he explains the force is not black and white to Ray mm. while training her. Like you, it might get to be that, that kind of like that purity of youth and that kind of grizzled jadedness that, yeah. that Luke is that supposedly has. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a problem. It's like, why didn't the stuff in last Jedi happen in the force awakens? Everything I'm seeing, I still haven't seen last Jedi, of course, hasn't come out yet, but, Everything I'm seeing in the Last Jedi trailers looks like it should have been the first movie in the new trilogy. Like, here's the passing of the torch, you know. Here's this new character who's come to train with Luke. Here's the bad character, you know, whatever. So, yeah, for me, I mean, like I said, Force Awakens is a non-movie. It's unnecessary if all the character development and all the growth and all the world building is going to come in Last Jedi. You know, I feel like a part of the problem with Force Awakens is they tried to fit too much into one film. It's all rushed. So as a result, every story point that they attempt is kind of rushed. Yeah. They, they but it's also, like I said, most of it's pointless. Like yeah. most of it shouldn't have happened. It yeah. should have so just been condensed. They, they, they should have taken those, those, they should have taken that crap that shouldn't have happened and used those minutes towards Luke, lose those minutes yeah. towards This Leia. isn't the first time I've said it and I'm sure I'll say it again in relation to other franchises. Yeah. But people need to take a page out of Peter Jackson's book. You know, like with the Lord of the Rings movies, mm. that's a long, drawn-out story, but it's but, told in a way that is ori- natural. But see, with the original movies, they're only about two hours each, and you get all you need from those two hours, whereas Force Awakens is the like longest Star Wars movie, other than Last Jedi, which will be the longest. Um, and yet nothing happens. I agree. It. If they wanted to analogue the originals um, and do it in an effective way, I think you're right. It would have been better with Ray as a child being dropped at Luke's doorstep or something yeah. in seclusion. And then he has to play the Ben Train, Kenobi yeah. figure and she's now playing the Luke figure of the yeah. young Padawan who's, you know, exactly. force sensitive and uncertain how to use her abilities. Exactly. And they I could think, have done anything. They could really, they could have done anything they yeah. wanted. You know, I think that they, they, they chose the most, they chose the reboot, they chose the nostalgia, they chose the, hey guys, remember the this. They didn't choose. Yeah. They didn't choose the best option for how we do we further the story and the characters in the world. I think it's a good case study for the difference between how films were made back in the, exactly. the era of the original Star Wars exactly. and now. And that's what I keep telling people: is the original movies aren't just good because of the lasers and the lightsabers and the spaceships and, and stuff. I mean, they're, yeah. they're good because of the storytelling, because of the world building. We can see that even with Blade Runner, you know, the original contrasted to 2049. It's exactly. the same thing. Well, th- that's a Almost. bit of a different case, but yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess we've, you know, like I said, gone through most of the time already. I apologize. But Last Jedi, who are Rey's parents? Who is Snoke? Who are the Knights of Ren? What, what has Luke been doing this whole time? And why the hell does Maz have Luke's old lightsaber? So We I answered guess, some of those questions. I mean, not really. None of that information is in The Force Awakens. Um, and like I said... If, what did the visions mean? Yeah, and, and if, if that stuff is in Last Jedi, um, that's good, I guess. But uh, why do I have to watch The Last Jedi to understand Force well, Awakens? So that's there was ridiculous. That, yeah, there was that reviewer who said that Ryan Johnson wields plot holes like weapons. Mm. So I'm hoping he took time to think about 
the problems in Force Awakens and tries because yeah. I'm sure he's forced well, into a uh, forced into a structure he has to follow. So like hopefully I've, he did his best. Like I've said, Ryan Johnson's really good with the characters, and I think he'll do a good job, you know, trying to fix those problems that that happen in the Force Awakens. But I think similar to Justice League, it's like the foundations are rotten. The Force Awakens had so many problems and sort of rebooted the the, the world into a, a nostalgia foundation where it's like anything now coming off the force awakens is doesn't it's not going to stand because one you've got the terrible design of the stormtroopers and the the tie fighters and everything looks the same but at the same time looks kind of plasticky and weird and modern and doesn't really work but also like you know just the world and the characters it's like the foundation's rotten and so like last jedi might be really good and i think ryan johnson will do a really good job but the fact that he has to base his movie on jj abrams inferior movie i think that it also shows that they're giving ryan johnson uh a a trilogy now whether that means he gets to write and direct the first one or he gets control of all three i'm I'm assuming it's all three because i don't think you'd give a guy like that a trilogy and then say hey you know if you you know yeah i mean at the very unless, least unless he decides not i'm to hoping that them. he gets to basically show run the trilogy if you know what i mean i so hope so yeah he gets control of the, the trilogy like i said if if that's unrelated to the skywalkers and that's it is, apparently thing, it is it is yeah, 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 yeah it i've heard is. that it is but um ho- it's, that'll it's, be good it's if, a whole new playground gets, because he mm. said that he wants uh, there was an interview he did where he said he wants it's like a playground to him yeah and the idea of him being able to forge a new legacy unrelated to george lucas's characters excites him mm. um yeah. i can't remember where i read that but I, th- I think that it reinforces the idea that maybe his work was so good that they said maybe we'll leave creative control to you and yeah. see how that plays out i think that that'll work out well i think he's he's a really good filmmaker that i like um and that that'll free him up to be what, more creative what do you reckon they'll call it do you reckon they'll go the episode 10 route probably not because that's no, related I, I, to the I skywalkers think, yeah i think all the uh, kathleen in- kennedy has said that all the numbered sequels will be related to skywalker lineage and and that but i guess his will be a It'll series be like of spin-offs. star wars Subtitle one, yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, you, we've got the solo movie, Sah- solo <laughs> Star Wars. Can, can we just skip that one altogether? Completely, <laughs> just completely, shut down production. completely unnecessary. Don't need it at all. We we don't need to see how Han met Chewie. We don't need to see how Han got his vest. We don't need to see how Han got his Millennium Falcon. Matt just came in the studio. He's like F F Force Awakens, F Han Solo movie. It's just pointless. See my vest. Yes, yeah, you might have. Oh, if they do, if they do a musical number, see, maybe, maybe Lord and Miller had a musical number where it was "See My Vest," uh, and then that's when Kathleen Kennedy was like, "Nope, Matt's Worst coming." Movie ever. Yeah, see, Matt's not even a massive Star Wars fan, and even he, I went to see Force Awakens with him, and even he was like, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> um, so, uh, what else? Um, the live-action TV show uh, that's been announced. They've been talking about that for like 15 years now. I'm not expecting it to be any good. Now that Disney has the control, I mean, they'll have, I guess, the the production behind it. But in terms of the the story and all that, I don't care anymore. Uh, this, the series will obviously give them the opportunity to sort of build the world and the characters because I guess they'll have multiple episodes. Um, you know, and if it's like a premium cable type television show uh, where they'd get to develop, you know, the characters. The only thing I would, I'd, I'd be uncertain with this show is like, because it's Disney, are they going to be leaning more towards the, the sort of family friendly exactly, market? Exactly, yeah. The, I don't see them going like the premium Netflix sort no, of no, Marvel. Yeah, I don't think it'll be a Game of Thrones. Uh, as much as I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah, a Game of Thrones type <laughs> show with uh, Star Wars world and characters would be amazing. But yeah, they'll probably go more towards the 
the ABC kind of Agents of Shield kind of more family friendly. Uh, Agents of Shield is good. Yeah, but this I, season is amazing. I I don't think it's as good as the Netflix stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's kind of it's a, a, it's a different it's yeah. a different you know uh, it's a different kind of show. So Disney is also in talks to purchase Fox, um, which you know, which is I think is a good thing. Yeah, it's no, good. The, it's good for it's look, good for Mar- You know, it's good for the Marvel. We'll get X Men. We'll get Fantastic Four. But, um, you know, for the overall picture, it's, you know, just more monopoly, more corporations the, owning more of it has, what we It love. has impacts for the whole society because yeah. if Fox, if Disney acquires uh, Fox, they acquire yeah. Fox News. And that means that that's they can, true, that yeah. means that they can stop the, I'm sorry to get political. No, that's all right. That means on. that if, if Disney wanted to, they could curb the conservative brainwashing yeah. that occurs throughout America, I but mean, the world as a whole. I think I think Disney's recognised that Fox News is a brand, and they can make more money off that conservative side. You know. Yeah, but like if they have control, know. it's not. Yeah. Disney by itself is not a political entity, yeah. so they might they might. Anyway, that's that's but a discussion for another then, day. Then then of course you get the the fact that they'll be owning things like uh, Simpsons and Family Guy and Futurama. So you know. We might get all this, you know, Disney factory stuff of all the stuff we used to love. It, I mean, it I could be, it could look, be good, could be bad. Disney did well by Marvel. I mean, Marvel true. was in at one point in quite a state. Yeah, true. Uh, and Disney kind of breathed life back into that that Marvel, engine. And Marvel get the rights back to the X Men. They will exactly. So that'll be good. Um, and they'll get and they'll Star Wars. They'll get the rights to publish New get, Hope again. They'll get the distribution rights yeah, to Disney, the original Star Wars. Disney also so, intervened with Electronic Arts with the uh, all the Battlefront controversy. Yeah, but so, we'll see how far that goes in the no, future. No, but my my point is Disney tend to do right by the properties they own. Nah, Disney tend to do right by public perception. Yeah, and and they do right by money. Um, but yeah, so that means they'll own the rights. They'll, I think Fox has the rights for the original Star Wars forever, I think, whereas um, Disney owns the distribution rights for uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi separately from that. Um, so now if Disney owns Fox, then they'll have the rights to all three original movies. So it go- does take us one step closer to a r- proper release of the theatrical unaltered versions, but now, I'm not getting my hopes up. Imagine if that happened... And then they did a theatrical run in theatres. I would pay so, so like, much money. Like, like 4K restorations so of the originals. Like, I would honestly pay like 200 bucks just for a Blu-ray like, set. I was, I was fantasizing earlier. On, like on TV screen. advertisements, See, everything, like I, a full-blown theatre campaign. I have this really bad feeling that when George Lucas signed over the rights of Star Wars that there was a clause in the contract that says you can't release theatrical versions that sounds like george that sound, it sounds like <laughs> something petty that he would do and like it, it might it might be even something like in the future if he passes away like then we might be able to see it but like then if his kids or his estate like see, i mean enforce uh, it like hopefully dizzing and just be like oops i dropped a master tape in public <laughs> it was leaked online yeah, yeah. whoops sorry <laughs> well, i wouldn't want i wouldn't want this to go circulating anywhere it's like it's one of those things that you know the premium blu-ray theatrical blu-ray set pops up on amazon for one day <laughs> yeah. and then everyone buys that and then it disappears so that was like, due to a clerical error yeah, that, yeah we didn't mean to do that um but yeah uh and also lucasfilm apparently has announced they're going to start production on an obi-wan kenobi star wars spin-off movie in uh, early 2019 mm, when, when, could be good where in the star wars universe would that take place Tatooine, it's please. like like now like, now now here's the thing if it takes place in the prequel era, which Disney has fair enough tried to distance themselves from, and which people 
don't really generally like. I know people like Ewan McGregor. I like Ewan McGregor as well. I think he did a good job as Obi-Wan despite the prequel movies. Um, but, you know, if they set in the prequel era, people aren't really going to be happy about that. Um, if they set it in between yeah. Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, I guess, will most of it take place on Tatooine? Will they have young Luke running around? Like, how will that work? Uh, I hope it's somewhat like a West, like a proper Western. Maybe. Like a grizzled sort of Obi-Wan. He's that just trying cool. to, you know, keep peace, yeah. keep peace on his planet. I think, you know... While f- keeping a watch on For Luke. me, yeah. For me, you know, like, mo- like with most of these spin-offs, like, we don't need them. They're unnecessary. We don't need to see how this person got to this place. So... Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. You know, I've been talking about Boba Fett movie because he's a, a, well, a well-liked character. But as I mentioned, like, there's no way they can capture that original uh, amazing Boba Fett that, that I love so much. Yeah. And, of course, like, then you get into the, the, the problem of if they're going to go for the canon route where technically the prequels are canon, then the then um, then Boba Fett has to be uh, from New Zealand, apparently, um, which doesn't really make sense, and you know, and I don't like. And and then, um, and then, uh, you know, if they don't go that route, and it's like then they have to ignore the prequels, and then it's gonna—it's just a whole mess that I don't want to. Re- I mean, look, realistically, none of the spin-off movies should be made, but Disney needs a movie. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's—it's—they've turned Star Wars from something special into uh, just churning them out, factory farming, just. <laughs> You know, like cookie cutter plots, just as much inoffensive. As, as much as we all love Star Wars here, I'd much rather have a movie every other year or every two or three years yeah. than to have like a movie every single year. <laughs> yeah, where I mean, we know they're going to be pretty average. I, like after Rogue One, I was already fatigued, and you can imagine, you know, after Han Solo, I'm going to be, you know. But like I said, if it has the Star Wars movie name on it, people are going to love it. Yeah. People are going to go see it. So I think, well, you know, I think there could be a change in the wind in a few years. Because Quentin Tarantino is doing a Star Trek movie, so oh man, I don't well, know what's going to happen with that. Jeez, <laughs> he wants it to you be know, rated too. If, if that does really well, wow. if that does really really well, <laughs> but then that then, see, the then, Star Wars. Then, the engineer. then we get into more problems of is it going to be set into the JJ Abrams universe, which is going to suck. JJ uh, Abrams, I'm pretty sure JJ Abrams is on board. JJ Abrams is a producer or whatever, so it's like I don't want him to be involved because I, I don't like him. So it's like then it's going to be set in in the new universe and not in the classic Star Wars universe. It's just, and there's no way they're going to release an R-rated Star Trek movie. No way. So, well, they're making it. At the end of the day, you know, Tarantino will write a version of the script. JJ Abrams will rewrite it so it's Uh, like loses all the like the the things that people want, all the edge. Uh, It'll be an inoffensive, you know, crappy JJ Abrams Star Trek movie with some lens flare. Who cares? I don't care. It's not going to be good. It's it probably won't even get made. Uh, I mean, there is enough. Uh, fan, you know, they want it, so it might might get close. It might come out. I don't know. I I don't know. I can't I can't see the future. I'm not I'm not Yoda. Uh, even Yoda couldn't see the future. Um, we've gone through the entire hour, smashed through it. Thank you everyone for listening. Be sure to tune in next week, ninety eight point nine Northwest FM at six p.m. for the last Jedi review. We'll be back in the studio talking about Star Wars Episode Eight: and The Last the odd, Jedi. The odds are it's going to be another rant episode. And most likely, it'll just be me complaining more about Force Awakens. Look, I, I, I hope there's a few things. Uh, I hope there's a few things we, positive that we can say next I, no, week. Like honestly, I hope it's good. I hope I like it. I never go into a movie saying I hope this sucks. You know, I hope this is bad. Like I love Ryan Johnson. I think he'll do a good job. But, you know, I'm not, not getting my hopes up because I know I'm going to be disappointed. But, I, you know, I hope it's really good. I hope, I hope I really like it. And, and, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm 
I, 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 <laughs> there's nothing else I can say. Um, so, yeah, thank you all again. Thank you, Callum and Nathan, for coming in. Okay. I really appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for listening to my ranting and raving. Um, be sure to like and share the Man vs. Movies Facebook page. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe the Man vs. Movies iTunes. You can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Shout Engine, or wherever you uh, listen to podcasts uh, on your regular podcasting app. Uh, and uh, be sure to listen to the first Star Wars special, which was episode eight of Man vs. Movies, which you can also download. And be sure to tune in next week. Or if you can't tune in live, then the podcast will hopefully be up uh, next week uh, pretty soon. Thank you all again. Uh, may the Force be with you and catch you later. We hope you enjoyed this special flashback episode. What you just heard was a re-upload of an old show. If you'd like to keep up with our current show, The Tuesday Review, please like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TuesdayReviewAU, and rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. You can find The Tuesday Review wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, cousins.